Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We do a deep dive into the mannerisms, behaviors, statements, and demeanor of Brian Koberger by analyzing key videos of the accused murderer. Body language expert Susan Constantine Perfido comes on. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Long Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Our coverage of the Brian Koberger story out of Moscow, Idaho, continues. And as we reported on our last sidebar, Koberger was officially arraigned on four counts of first-degree murder and burglary for the massacre that occurred on November 13th, 2022. He chose to stand silent whereby he doesn't directly enter a not guilty plea, but not guilty pleas are entered on his behalf by the court. Interesting tactic. We spoke with Johnny Depp's lawyer, Ben Chu, about that on our last sidebar as well. And as we cover the Koberger case, we still have so many questions. But the main one, of course, is if he really murdered these four University of Idaho college students, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Haley Gonsalves, as he is accused of doing, why? Why would he have done this? It's a major question. Hasn't been fully articulated yet by prosecutors. And as we analyze the life and the actions and the backstory of this former PhD student from Washington State University, we're trying to understand who he is. And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of hard to get a read on him. What's going on in his mind? What's he thinking? Well, we thought, let's try something different. We actually have some video of Brian Koberger during traffic stops, in court, What does his body language tell us? Well, no surprise, I'm no expert in body language. Everybody knows that. The good news is I have someone with me here today who is an expert. Joining me is Susan Constantine Perfido, the president of the Human Behavior Academy and the president of the Human Behavior Lab. Susan is an expert in reading body language and is a trial consultant. Susan, so good to have you here on Sidebar. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. So we have a lot of video to go through. You're the perfect person to talk about it. I'm going to start in chronological order. So first up, I want to start with when Brian Koberger was stopped by police one month before the killings. So he gets pulled over for running a red light in Washington State. Let's take a look. Hello. Hi, I'm Officer Loengus. Stops being audio and video recorded. I think, I, know, I think you know why I stopped you. You ran the red light. What actually happened was I was stuck in the middle of the intersection. Yeah, so I was, I was behind you the whole left. time. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, you're not supposed to enter the intersection at all for that reason, because if the light turns red, then you're stuck in the intersection, and then you're on the red light. So that's the reason I stopped you. Do you have your license on you? Yep. Thank you. Do you have the registration and insurance? Just get this for you out. You what? I'm just gonna get this out for you. Okay. Mm, 
So can you, would you explain that to me a little bit further? So in Pennsylvania, when you're stuck like in their intersection, mm -hmm. you have to make the left. So what would what would the appropriate thing for me to have done? Not, just, just you're not supposed to block an intersection like that in Washington. So the just by you blocking the intersection, that's technically a ticketable violation. And then thus, then you're running a red light. So it's another ticketable offense. So you're not supposed to proceed into the intersection until you can go. Because a lot of people do what you just did, right? Is like you're sitting in the intersection yeah. waiting and then turns and then you're blocking. So... Yeah, there was a little bit of confusion with speeding because someone had stopped. I wasn't sure what they were doing, and then they put on their light to turn. Mm -hmm. So I thought that maybe they were letting me go through. Oh. Did you see that? No. Mm -mm. Yeah, like right before I made the turn, there was someone who like, made a right. And they didn't have their, you know, their signal on, so I wasn't sure if they were just waiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would just advise uh, just don't enter the intersection until you can go so you don't get stuck um let's see but in that situation the best thing to do then would be back up and not i don't know if there's a best thing I, to I do could. in that situation because you're either going to back up into somebody yeah. or you're going to run a red light yeah the best thing <laughs> to do is probably not go through the intersection but here's the thing susan this is probably the clearest video we have of him and most mm -hmm. up close again what do you think this is about one month before the killings yeah so there's nothing that's really overt that stands out to me here. You know, this is beforehand, so there's not cognitive load. He's not being watched because or being pulled over because they think he's a suspect. So you don't see the typical glare stare that you see in later videos. He seems to be working with a police officer. The issue is, is that when he's when I'm watching his eye movements and he's describing what had occurred, like he was you know, in the middle of the intersection. And then he's also comparing it to his hometown. He, his eyes move side to side. You don't see him in visual recall or visual memory, which is upward. He tends to go side to side. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And everything that I've seen with him, he tends to be very much of an internal processor. And then he begins to question the officer, he's not combative, but on the other hand, he's he's still trying to work his way out of it to have some sort of logic. So that tells me a lot about how he thinks and how he processes. He tends to be a very chronological analyzer and thinker. Big thing that yeah. I take away from this, a few things. One, 
The fact that he's asking these questions and has this level mm-hmm. of what I would say maybe comfort with the officer. This is a PhD mm-hmm. student in criminology. Part of me feels mm-hmm. like he's interested in learning the law. He's yeah. interested in learning, like, how is the police officer stopping him? This is my take. I'm not an expert. But yeah. what's the most alarming thing for me, this is a one month before killing, allegedly killing four people. And there's been evidence that he's been at that residence or in that neighborhood for a time. It hasn't been entirely clear if he was following at least one of the victims or stalking or how pre-planned this was. But for somebody who a month later is going to murder four people, that's the allegation. How do you look at him? I mean, what should we be thinking about when we look at him there? I mean, that's the thing that gets him. I'm trying to see if there's anything there that would get any indication he's about to commit a quadruple homicide. Well, I have to share with you one thing that I did, and I'm going to kind of go off the grid a little bit here because he had written um, a letter or what he what his whole project was going to be about. Right. We know that he's a Ph.D. Ph.D. student and he was trying to get people that would um, enter into this this test or this um, um, analysis. Remember that? Well, the Reddit survey, the Reddit survey. Yeah. Yeah, the Reddit survey and also, too, that he was also writing, there was, it wasn't a manifesto, but it was very similar to it. In that data was really a lot of wealth of information, because one of the things that we can learn about language is when they use contempt, anger, disgust, types of language, it will tell us the percentage of the possibility of him carrying out a deadly act, like a terrorist act, um, a lone shooter act. So I happen to have run all that stuff through Decipher, which is a, a product that I have out of uh, Sweden, which is used for counterterrorism. And I ran it through. He he came up at 95% assurity that he was going to commit a violent act. So wow. with that being said, why didn't somebody, he was already kind of on the radar, uh, why didn't they run this through or analyze his language? So his language in itself told volumes. Now we're talking about demeanor and that's what we're talking about today. But I want to let you right. know, language and words and, and body movements and facial expressions, all that kind of tie together and tells you a lot about the person and the I motive think or is, intent. I think this is fascinating. So let's move on to another traffic yep. stop. Guy's like the worst driver of all time. He gets pulled over more than anybody we've ever seen. So now, this is from December 15th. This is after the killings. Mm -hmm. And we're going to play two videos. Uh, First, so he gets pulled over in Indiana while driving home to Pennsylvania. He's driving in the car with his father. And he's pulled over the first time for following a car too closely. Let's take a listen to some of that. How y'all doing today? Good, good. Take a look at your driver's license real quick if I could. See, he's right up on that van, man. He was right up on the back end of that van. Hold you over for tailgating. Is this your car? Okay, cool. Where are you headed? Well, we come from WSU. And uh, we're standing early. What's WSU? So we're okay. I, I'm having a hard time hearing you because of the traffic. So you're coming from Washington State University, and you're going where? Oh, 
Oh, okay. We're a little, we're slightly clutching because we're driving for hours. Hours, days. Hours. Yeah. Okay. And what did you say about some SWAT team thing? Or yeah, thing? there was, yeah, there was a mass shooting, shooting and everything. We don't where? Know So y'all work at the university there? I actually do work there. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that incident. Just yesterday or? This about an hour and a half ago, we're still wrapping it up for investigating. I'm not sure there's two shooters because they did shoot somebody. Let's see. And then we don't know about that actually. They well, were there with shooting out of the window or something. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So do me a favor and don't follow too close, okay? Oh. All right. Okay. Now, later on, he gets pulled over again for doing the same thing. Let's take a look at that. I stopped you, man. When you were driving by me there, you were a little too close to the back of that semi. I got one car between you in the back of this trailer. We're about one car with 110 miles an hour, so we're about 60 or 70 miles an hour. We're about six or seven cars. Oh, you guys did? You guys talk about a trooper? We don't, we don't have any SUVs. It was a county guy. Was it like a black SUV? Guy, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, now it's really hard to hear him in that one, and you don't really see him in that second video. But Susan, here's my take on this, right? He, if he did this, he's the killer. He could be thinking, wow, I'm about to get arrested. I'm about to get arrested for, for murder. Uh, it's my take about his initial impression of that, but what do you think? Well, when I'm looking at his body language throughout, I want you to pay attention to the lack of eye blinking and that very blank, empty stare or the glare. He has this glare about him. And when he is in that place, it's called fight or flight, right? So he's really hyper aware because when you think about if he had committed these crimes, these horrible crimes, he's on high alert. He's in that fight or flight response. So that's where his eyes are very frozen. He, um, his eye pupil dilation is larger. And this kind of gives you indication, why is he feeling this sense of, of fear? The other thing is he has a very cold kind of iciness about him. He's looking over at his father for affirmation. He does his very quick little jarts. Um, it's not like he's turned towards the officer listening and then nodding his head. And it would be a way of non-verbally saying, I understand you, I hear what you're saying, and they're following him. He's not doing that. He's looking straight ahead. He's darting off. He's coming back. He's darting off with that very blanket stare. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is how he corrected his dad. 
when he was talking about that there was a shooting. There wasn't a shooting. He says, oh, that we don't know that yet. So it's interesting that he came in and he actually said that. And again, when you think about it, he questions people. So when we go back to the first video, what did he do? He questioned the logic or question what the what the officer was saying but really what he's what really trying to do is to gather intel for himself to knowing how to then go move, move forward with this next question do you get a sense of relief when the officers leave well i don't there he knows number one that he's being questioned right so i don't know if i would say a sense of relief like like where his shoulders slumped down and he breathes out that's kind of like Okay, we got through that one. He didn't. He has, he's trying to keep very collected. So his when he when he's ready to go, he's ready to go. So I guess that would be the indicator that he was ready, that he was the, the fear had dropped. Now he's ready to go again. But he's on high alert. So that's what I'm seeing here more than anything else. Because yep. when I'm looking at his facial expressions, he has this very intense expression you can see it in his forehead you see this we call a bulge that comes across the forehead it's when he is leaning uh, his head goes down or his forehead goes down and then he raises his eyebrows that's what we call a fear response but he's borderline paranoid so when i'm analyzing someone i'm analyzing this fear responses and the psychopathy of it so things that we know is that they have a very stared glared expression they have a very blank glare about them this is what we call fixation okay when a person is very fixated you see these frozen responses you also see eyes dilate you will see these frozen very rapid movements you'll see fight or flight responses all of that also is tied into paranoia and if you think about the guy who shot up all those people in a theater he's the guy with the red hair he thought he was a joker if you look at his expression look look at the two compared to one another you see the eyes wide open mm. and no affect in the face bottom region so when you look at the, the the top region compared to the bottom region nothing here changes but you see the fixation that's so interesting now that yeah, you're thinking saying really, that i'm actually thinking about i haven't look i haven't thought about that guy in a long time but now i'm remembering his mugshot and that's eerily similar okay so susan i want to get into Koberger in court so he's arrested six weeks after the killings. In January is his first court appearance. We see him in the orange jumpsuit. It's the first time all of us really see a video of him. There were pictures of him uh, when he's arrested. There might have been video of him being walked into or wearing the jumpsuit vest. But this is really the first time we see him in court. Let's watch some of this at his first court appearance. Oh, we got it. I am going to advise you of the rights that you have in this case. I am going to go over the criminal complaint with you, and then we're going to discuss setting the matter for further hearing. You have the following rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. You have the right to the presumption of innocence. That means the state bears the burden to prove that you are guilty of this offense beyond a reasonable doubt. You have the right to a preliminary hearing. A preliminary hearing is a probable cause hearing. At that hearing, the state must establish that more likely than not, these felony offenses were committed and you were the one that committed the felony offenses. You have a right to have that hearing within 14 days if you remain in custody. 
If you are bound over at that preliminary hearing to district court, if the court finds probable cause, you would be bound over to district court. And at that time, you can enter a plea of not guilty, and you can have a jury trial set within six months of your appearance in district court. At both your preliminary hearing and your jury trial, you have the right to confront and question any evidence or witnesses called against you. Call witnesses on your own behalf, and compel witnesses to be present and testify at the state's expense. You have the right to be represented by a lawyer. If you cannot afford one, one could be appointed to represent you based upon your financial needs. You also have the right to appeal any conviction in your case. Do you understand these rights? Yes. I am now going to go over the criminal complaint with you. It alleges that the defendant, Brian C. Koberger, on or about November 13th of 2022 in Lake Tahoe County, State of Idaho, did willfully, unlawfully, deliberately, with premeditation, and with malice of forethought, kill and murder Kaylee Gonsalves, a human being, by stabbing Kaylee Gonsalves, from which she died. Those specific names will certainly be provided to you, Mr. Koberger, by way of being provided notice of these documents. You'll get a copy of these no-contact orders. What you do need to be advised of, and what will be in this no-contact order, is you are prohibited from having any contact with them whatsoever. Let's first start, Susan, with the smile that he gives his attorney Mm -hmm. as he walks in. What's your take on that? Okay, so it's a flash. It's not a genuine smile. When the mouth goes like this, it's like a, like that. All that is is just making an, like an affirmative, affirmative acknowledgement, like, hi. It's basically saying, hi. That's not a genuine smile. That was a nervous smile. You can see that with with the uh, stretched mouth. His lips are pressed together. So that's what we call a flash smile. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The other thing is I want you to pay attention to is that look at his cheek. You want to kind of pull in a really tight view of that because you can literally see his heart beating through his cheek. That is huge, high cognitive load. That is um, an engorgement of blood that is causing this. This is high emotional stress. You'll see that he kind of gets a little uncomfortable at first. Uh, as you know, the indictment is is being uh, delivered, that would be considered being normal because anyone in that situation would have shift or feel slightly uncomfortable. But you see jaw clenching, and that is what we call tension. You see him swallowing. Um, this is fear. You'll also see him kind of take his uh, tongue and wrap it in, or rub it around the inside of his mouth or purse it out. This is where the lips become dry. That's that fight or flight response. So he's pushing the uh his lips away from his teeth to kind of lubricate the you know the membranes inside of his mouth so these are all fear flight or flight responses but he does nod that he does understand so i do believe he understands the capacity of what he's being charged with and he does add 
affirmatives, not yeses. But I'd like to be able to get into when they're actually pulling down the indictment about what he is charged with and his body language. Okay, well, keep that in mind because I do want to ask you that and also the million-dollar question, which is, and you, and I'll, well, we're going to play a little bit more of him in court. If there's any indication based on his uh, uh, demeanor in court, if this is somebody who is innocent and they are shocked by the idea of these wrongful charges against them, or this is somebody who committed the crime and knows that the jig is up and is in a lot of trouble. Don't answer it yet. We're going to play a little bit more of him. This is Brian Koberger's latest court appearance. First, this is a, his arraignment on the felony charges, where the charges are actually read out to him. All rise. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. Mr. Koberger, do you understand the charge in count one? Perfect. Yes. Do you understand the maximum penalty? Yes. Do you understand the charge in count two, murder in the first degree? Yes. Do you understand the maximum penalty? Yes. Do you understand the charge in count three, murder in the first degree? Yes. Do you understand the maximum penalty? Yes. Do you understand the charge in count four, murder in the first degree? Yes. Do you understand the maximum penalty? Yes. Do you understand the charge in count five, murder yes. in the first degree? Do you understand the maximum penalty? Yes. Okay, Ms. Taylor, is Mr. Koberger prepared to plead to these charges? You are, we will be standing aside. Okay, Ms. Taylor, is Mr. Koberger prepared to plead to these charges? You are, we will be standing aside. Okay, because uh, Mr. Koberger is standing silent, uh, I'm going to enter not guilty pleas on each charge. Yeah, so he chose, as I mentioned, to not actually say not guilty, chose to stand silent. Okay, I feel like there's a lot to get to there. And you heard him say yes, yes, to understanding the charges, your take. Yeah, well, I mean, and very confidently, too, and with the tonality of confidence. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, his tonality remained the same, and he nodded. So it was consistent with he understood. And if he would have said yes, and it tilted his head no, then you would see this incongruency. You don't see that here. One of the things that I'd like to bring attention to is he didn't deny or confirm, right? And when they brought down that and, and, and wanted to know what his plea was, and his attorney stood up, right, and said basically that, you know, he wants to remain silent there. And he doesn't move. His head remains in the same position. So that is telling me that there's something that we don't know that's about to happen. So I don't know whether he's got a plea deal going on, whether he may be pleading guilty. Th that, but that's so, 
Yeah, that's so interesting you say that because some of us have been wondering one of the reasons did he not enter an actual plea? Maybe he hasn't. Mm-hmm. He's trying to open himself up to negotiations and enter a plea. Or yeah. is the defense so confident in their case they're ready to go? They feel they might have exculpatory evidence that proves he didn't do this. I'll throw that back at you. Yeah, and you know, again, we don't know. We don't know. That's what makes right. this case so uh, interesting, right? As as the stuff starts to unfold, and and you know, we've seen this before where we didn't have somebody. Uh, this lot one of these last cases that we saw on national tv where they didn't bring on a defense witness right they were so confident so i see this especially as being a trial consultant sometimes they have these rose colored glasses they think they're so confident in their position that they don't realize the importance of maybe witness testimony etc but i personally think She's got something up her sleeve. I think that she's sharp. Mm. She's got a plan and she knows exactly where she's going. So it'd be interesting to see what happens because in my years of 18 years in this work, I have never been in a court trial where an attorney has done that ever. In a okay. Case. It, it was different. It was different. And we're all speculating yeah. why that happened. Okay. Susan, I want to let you go with asking you this final question that I mentioned before. And that's when you're watching him in court, Does he have the demeanor of somebody, as I said, who is innocent, is hit with these charges out of nowhere, doesn't know where they came from, is panicked for their life, or is somebody who's nervous because they know they did this and they're in trouble? I know it could be very speculative. You might not have the answer, but I wanted to throw Uh it to you. I don't see nervousness because I don't see movement, jitteriness, a fidgetiness. I don't see eyes darting all over the place. I don't see this movement of anxiety. I see a very cold, blank stared person who has a, a psycho- psychological problem. I think he's either psychopathic or sociopathic or the two. What's going to be really interesting is how well that demeanor is going to go over on the jury pool because a jury wants to see genuine empathy and compassion for the victims even if he didn't do it right mm. because if he were accused you're going he's going to show anger frustration the natural instinct is if you're being accused your hands are up as like a cat right i'm going to fight back and you're going to see this in the eye facial expressions. You're going to see it in the mouth, press mouth. You're going to see the disagreement. Um, you're going to see this. But we don't see this here. So that's what kind of brings me to, has he come to a place where he is willing to admit or to plead guilty? And he's hoping that he's going to be able to get off the death penalty. I don't know. That's speculative. But I will tell you that juries generally want to see genuine emotion. We've seen this over and over again. And lots of cases you and I know we've covered is they want to know, does that does that um, defendant look yep. like and is he appearing as if he has empathy and compassion and he just doesn't. And it's very scary. If he makes any form of eye contact with any of those jurors, oh, my God. You know, I just want to, <laughs> because it is, it is almost like you're looking at the face of evil. If you've never seen a demon before, you have seen one now. And let's leave it right there. Oh my goodness. Susan Constantine Profito, thank you so much. I thought this was a fascinating discussion and uh, would love to have you back on as we get more video of Brian Koberger, whether in court or some other video that comes out. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. And that's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. 
please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.